Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Taking a walk. Music has its demands as well. When we're a musician, sometimes we're a bit like an actor and we have to be what the music needs us to be sometimes. We have to draw on all our temperamental possibilities, I think, to be able to realise the music. So there's that as well. There's, there's who we really are and, and who we are for the music and there's many levels. Welcome to the Taking a Walk podcast, where your host, Buzz Knight, features guests that share their stories and speak of their love of music. On this episode, we explore the world of chamber music with a man who has had a remarkable career as a conductor, a cellist, and a keyboardist. The H&H Society was founded in 1815, and Jonathan, at the age of 44, is one of their youngest artistic directors in history. The new season of H&H is called What's Old is New Again. Let's join Buzz and Jonathan in Boston on Taking a Walk. Well, Jonathan, thanks for having me here. Um, can you describe what is on this wall here first, Jonathan? <laughs> well, there's a lot of music there. That's all, all nicely organized. Look, there's uh, Johann Sebastian Bach's Magnificat, Mass in G minor. There's a tons. I won't read out all the names, but there's a lot of uh, repertoire and music that the organization's been performing for years here, I'd imagine. Yeah. Is it someone's responsibility to put these in files here? Oh, yeah, I would imagine absolutely. Yeah, we have to keep them nicely ordered. A lot of sheet music. You know, musicians, we, we write our bowings and, and markings in there, and so there's a lot of history in those pages, yeah. Well, congratulations on the uh, new appointment as the artistic director. Tell me how it feels. How excited are you? I'm very excited. It feels great. It's, um, it's uh, a wonderful chance to do to do really great music here in Boston with fantastic musicians and um, I'm thrilled to be to be here. 
And uh, how about just being in Boston in general? How does that feel? Yeah, it's a fantastic place. I'm very, I, I'm really, I feel a lot of energy here, you know. I don't know if that's, if that's, um, if, if you feel that too, but um, it feels to me that there's a lot of, a lot of love and love for music, a lot of energy, a lot of culture here. It's a, it's an exciting place. It is. I always uh, feel that way coming into the city. I live yeah. out in the, the suburbs, but uh, but coming to Boston is always a true joy, and uh, getting to meet you is a joy. Since it's called taking a walk, do you like taking walks in cities like Boston? I do. I like walking a lot. I, I often walk to rehearsals, and um, you know especially if it's a nice day like today with the sun shining. It's a pleasure. I, I like hiking as well, actually. I do quite a lot of that. Um, something very um, very healthy and, and lovely to be outdoors, I think. And when you're in the midst of a long day of rehearsals, um, yeah. is it a welcome moment to just go clear your head and take a walk? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, you know being in one room all day working, it's... Uh, it's nice to get out, isn't it, and go and find a spot of lunch and nice coffee, walk around a little bit. Absolutely. So talk specifically about some of your background that you think has essentially really prepared you for this new work you'll be part of. Yeah, well, I was a cellist to start off with. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. I was a pianist. I started piano when I was very little, and then I got uh, into the cello when I was about aged eight. Um... And I, you know, I, I, I did a lot of chamber music. I think that, that helped prepare me a lot because I think Baroque music is a lot about chamber music. Um, so I played in string quartets and I, I used to go on summer courses as a kid, to chamber music courses, you know, playing chamber music. Um, and, yeah, so, so I, I found Baroque music a little bit later. When I was at Cambridge, I went to university and I studied music there. Um, and I got into the, you know, with those beautiful chapel choirs and the music there. I used to enjoy putting putting things together, and I had lots of friends who were singers and instrumentalists, and I always sort of, you know, found a nice piece of music from the library, something a bit interesting, and said, hey, wonder what this sounds like, let's get together and play it. So I was always fascinated with the idea of just bringing people together to play to play music that we didn't know, and that, that, that was always my sort of driving motivation, really, yeah. And um, is it still something that you have the same passion as to when you started? Absolutely. I always, always love, love discovering new, new music. And you know, there's so much music. It's almost like you'll never run out. This in, in, in the past, you know, it's music from everywhere. And that's one of the great pleasures about music, really. It's sort of uh, um, it's never-ending possibilities and, and new combinations of infinite combinations of notes to put together. And you know, each time we make it, it's we make it we make it anew with with people with different people. And and you make a note, and then it disappears and it's gone forever. And you then get together and do it again. That's the great thing about music, isn't it? So, is there going to be a particular theme to this uh, new season? Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the I think there's um, we 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 liking we very much think that what is um, what is old is new again, and that's a that's a nice uh, I guess summary of of what what music's all about really, and especially baroque music because it is new again. We we pick up the score um, and we reinvent it, and that's happening all the time. That's one of the pleasures of doing this kind of great music. 
So what are typical days like leading up to uh, when you will uh, be opening? So this week's going to be very busy. Uh, we're opening with uh, Israel and Egypt by Handel on, on Friday and Sunday, um, first, first of the new season. And we'll be rehearsing frenetically all week, actually, which is great. This is really diving into this fantastic, monumental piece of Handel. Um, the, uh, the chorus yesterday, we met them for the, for the first time in this piece. They're sounding absolutely fabulous. So, so uh, we'll meet the orchestra today and we'll gradually put it together over the week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. How long are the rehearsals? Three hours generally per rehearsal. And then we do like two or three of them sometimes a day. And, you know, I'm going around uh, working, f you know, we'll put it together. We'll, we'll work the chorus separately and we'll look over things, the sort of little, all the details about how to, you know, where we're putting the consonants and ideas about, about, the, uh, about the music specifically related to the chorus. And then today I'll take the, the orchestra by itself and just, you know, we'll, we'll get to know the music and look at what concerns the orchestra. And then tomorrow and the next days we'll start putting it all together and it just sort of grows bigger and bigger. And we sort of zone out, um, uh, you know, just thinking musically less about details and more about the big picture as, as, as it grows and grows into the, into the performance, I think. Is there a little chaos in the process at all? Uh, well, um, little chaos never, never hurts. It's good. I mean, you know, it's good, to be, it's, good to be, it's good to be creative, and I suppose creativity is where... Chaos lives, but I try to be as planned as I can, especially when you're organising people's times. You know, cause you have to. It, w it would be a little too chaotic to, to be saying let's rehearse this and then without the right number of people there or things like that. So, so I try to be as organised as I can be. Yeah. Do you have somebody that's uh, the equivalent of a, a chief of staff of, of the whole operation that assists you, or, or is it? Just you bringing everybody along? <laughs> no, I mean, there's a huge amount of organisation work that goes into this. Uh, I mean, um, organisation is very lucky to have Ira working, um, looking after all the musicians and organising that. And, you know, um, and musically, I'm, I'm, I'm there running the rehearsals. So, so, yeah, yeah. I worked for somebody that... Um, as I was managing radio stations and uh, on-air talent um, who suggested to me that uh, managing talent um, is similar to conducting an orchestra and uh, having the players in the orchestra play the notes that I'm asking them to play. Um, I wanted to get your take on that in terms of what's important to be that leader that director and understanding the temperament of people and, and how you finesse that. Yeah, I mean, there is a, I think there's a great similarity. Uh, being a conductor, that's actually sort of being a leader of them. Um, I mean, you know, if you think of that in terms of in a business or something, it's something similar. It's the same sort of, um, you want to bring the best out of the people that are in front of you and you want to, you want to enable people to really have the chance to invest their personality, their experience, their skills, and you want to create an environment and condition where, where people are happy to give their best, you know, and I think that's what, what is important for a conductor to, to, to bring out of musicians, I think, you know. Is there some psychology involved? I'm sure there is with everything in life, no? I mean, yeah, a little bit. 
I like to, I like to, you know, think a lot about people's people's temperaments and 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 how how we can, you know, uh, get the music sounding because music has its demands as well. When we're a musician, sometimes we're a bit like an actor and we have to be what the music needs us to be. Sometimes we have to draw on all our temperamental possibilities. I think to be able to realise the the music. So there's that as well. There's, there's who we really are and and who we are for the music and you know there's uh, there's many levels. What does it mean to you when you think of the historical um, perspective here of uh, the society and its its history? What does all that uh, mean to you in terms of how you're going to guide it moving forward? Yeah, it's a it's an immense. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, I suppose it's humbling, you know. The, this organisation is um, is an illustrious organisation over many many years. It's, uh, it's it's done a lot of great work, great music, and I feel like I'm a part of the, the story now. You know, it's um, it's a maybe um, a little chapter in the in the story of H and H, and and um, I'm I'm keen to re, you know to respond to to what what needs to to happen today and, and uh, I'm, I, I feel very very privileged and lucky to be able to be involved. So when you go through a performance, um, is there a post-mortem after where you sort of look and say, hey everybody, we did this brilliantly, we need to work on this ah. point? Well, there's, we often have two performances during a week and there's a little uh, tiny rehearsal before the second one. So sometimes after the first one, if there are items... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will go away after and sort of get the score out again the next day and try and think over, you know, how can I, how can I improve what was good, what could be better, uh, always, you know. Um, and the second performance is... It's interesting, actually. Second performances are often very different to first performances. I found that in, a lot in the opera sometimes. Um, because, you know, people, as we were talking about psychology, people often have, have achieved... Um, Rather great thing the, uh, the, on their first performance, and you know the energy is often different on the second one. Maybe it's a little bit wiser. You never know, but maybe less energy, but a bit wiser. And so there are challenges to a second performance. It's interesting. Yeah. Who are some of the leaders in your career that have uh, shaped you and really influenced you? Yeah, I was lucky to work as a young assistant conductor with William Christie. Um, for a long time, four or five years actually, in, in France with his organisation Les Arts and I learnt a great deal from from Bill. Um, it was a very it was a very exciting time, you know. I, I got to watch things close up, and and uh, I was lucky to have a responsibility. He gave me a lot of responsibility, you know, go and rehearse this, and go and sort things out with these singers, and and. Um, it's often difficult, I think, as a conductor. I mean, people train as conductors, you know, now in music colleges and things, and it's very difficult to get. Um, you have to have, you have to have pilot hours. You know, it's like you know, you have to actually learn to, to, to fly the real plane. Simulators are not. Um, I mean, they can be useful, but you know, being with people and having the chance to do that is extraordinarily valuable for a musician. I was very lucky with, um, with Bill because he, he gave me. Gave me a lot of time with the orchestra, a lot of responsibilities to to undertake, and it was, you know, f it was a formative time for me. I was, yeah. Is that the biggest thing that he taught you? That uh, that bit of that freedom well, that you he know, gave just, you? Just being part of that musical community, it was regularly doing 
wonderful music and big operas and staged operas and things with singers and or orchestras and chamber music and all sorts of things, just being part of it and sitting in on rehearsals and then taking rehearsals and you know being part of the hustle and bustle. I got to see what 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 does it take to make a schedule you know what do directors how do they need to collaborate with conductors what do what what do singers need what kind of you know sort of ornamentations uh, what um, uh, all the preparations and how do they go about experiencing that and what's important to them you know kind of emotionally as well how does it feel and um, that's very it's, it's very important that yeah. so is there an element of balancing the historical perspective of the society with also bringing new audiences uh, into the joy of the work? I mean, is there a, a balancing act with that? Well, you know what we said about our sort of um, new season of what's old is new again? Um, I don't think of it as doing uh, um, old music. I, uh, I mean, you know, it's like saying that somehow Shakespeare or or um, you know Charles Dickens or some kind of any book not written right today is somehow irrelevant. To, but as she, you know, music and art is a is a collection of human experience over time, and I think there's a lot to there's a lot to learn, especially with music that we reinvented. You know, so it it it, it is new, and and I don't think we have to um, apologise to audiences for 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 that. I, I think often people come because of that. That's that's my view and I think if there was a message because you know I'm very keen on accessibility I, th I, I love that that we work hard at H&H &H for that and and it's important to, to to invite to say this is music for the world you know and we want you we, we want you to have the chance to come and hear it I think that's so and you know and it is extraordinarily relevant in the way that any kind of art that encapsulates the human condition over time has a lot to lot to teach us and to invigorate and to and to and to I don't know just to to kind of touch the heart and give us um give us give us hope and joy you know there is a part of the society that does this great work with um young folks yeah that's fantastic from, from yeah. 2 to 12 for yeah. sure right i mean it's yeah. it's really bringing them sort of uh, into the fold uh, early. Yeah. Um, talk about how joyful that is for you. That's amazing to see that. And I think it's a vital part of, of, uh, of the H&H mission, the education, um, giving young people the chance to read music, to experience music together. I think it can change the, the life. I mean, you know, I think it's um, a wonderful thing to do. And um, uh, it's our future audiences, our future musicians too, you know. So, but but it 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 brings people all sorts of great benefits um, for children. You know, my son himself does a lot of singing, and I, I saw when he started doing that a transformation actually in his his personality, his um, ability to concentrate, his uh, his um, kind of joy and energy. You always look forward so much to singing in, in the choirs, and I think it's a really great opportunity. You know? We produced this other podcast. It's called uh, Music Saved Me, and it's about the healing power of music uh, from a musician's standpoint and 
from some of their fans. Um, do you think music and the music that you are part of has therapeutic healing power? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that, actually. It really does, you know. It's, um, it's an extension of our spirits, of our souls somehow, and it's, the way of, it's a way of sharing that together and, and over time as well, you know. It's like you can connect with people in different places, you can cross boundaries, you know, cross, you can cross time spans, countries, experiences, and you can share humanity. I think that's, the, that's what music's all about, and you see, it, you see the power of it in the concert halls, you see it, uh, you see it at concert, you just turn around and I look, see the audience and I see someone in row, whatever, who's have, have a giant grin on their face, a lovely smile and eyes sparkling and they've, they've, really, um, they've really taken in that piece of music and it's, it's made a difference, you know, that's, uh, that's lovely. And does it feel different in a, um, let's just say, a post-pandemic world that people are even more joyful to experience? I certainly felt that, actually, yeah, especially when, when things came back again. There was a real sort of feeling of absolute relief, actually, that we can get back to kind of living a more normal type of life. And share. It's, You know, I think it's... Um, it's like a plant, isn't it? If you stop giving it water, it sort of shrivels up, and that's how I felt a little bit when everything was isolated. I mean, of course, it was necessary, but uh, but it's nice to get back to things. It felt like a reflourishing, actually. Yeah. Well, lastly, I want to ask: Are there any guilty pleasures musically that uh, someone might be surprised that you enjoyed knowing? The, uh, the disciplines of your work on a regular basis? It's a very hard question to answer because I don't feel particularly guilty. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, now I'm, I'm quite sort of open and I love listening to all sorts of different things. Not that I necessarily know very much about the things, but, you know, I'm not sure you can enjoy music without, without knowing lots of things about it. Um, but uh, I certainly, with, a, with, a, with my... Son now listening to all sorts of things, but I've got no idea who thinks it. <laughs> so you know, no, I've tried. Yeah, tried to, try to remain open-minded and and, and listen to, listen to it as much as I can. Yeah, <laughs> is that guilty? With curiosity, no, it's, ah, it's just ah, honest. Yeah, right, right, right. right. You, you don't close your ears to no, anything. No, in general, I think I, you know, I, I think in general, if I'm maybe I do feel guilty about this, things that are extremely loud tend to but maybe that's because I became attuned to working you know with instruments that aren't sort of magnified by electric uh, amplifiers so sometimes especially if I go into a nightclub or a bar and then live music I sometimes really think that's fantastic it's so exciting it's so loud <laughs> um, and I sort of you know so I, I takes a bit of getting used to for me maybe that's where I feel the most guilty <laughs> Thank you for being oh, on, right. and congratulations, uh, and it's you. an honor to meet you. Thank you, you too, Buzz. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Taking a Walk. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.